Hello, and welcome to the Table and Well podcast. I'm Tennyson. And I'm Janelle. Thank you for joining us as we discuss topics and give practical tools that help you live, grow, and be in healthy, joy-filled relationships with God, yourself, and others. For more information and resources, or if you're looking for coaching, connection, and community, please visit tableandwellco.com. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome and thank you for joining us today on the Table and Well podcast. This is episode number 47. As always, please feel free to download and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. We are very excited that you are here with us today as we continue our discussion and our series on the half-brain church, how the church has lost its ever-loving mind. As with all our discussions, they are derived and they come from a book called The Other Half of Church that is written by Jim Wilder and Michael Hendricks. This book has been honestly very life-changing. It's been very paradigm-shifting, even for myself and Janelle, as we've read through the book, as we've put the outlines together, as we've reflected over our own life um, and seen a lot of these things kind of play out. I'm not going to take too much time in this open to talk about what we're going to talk about because I want to get right to it so you guys can hear the conversation. But we're going to be talking about the relational infection. We're going to be talking about the culture in our churches and in our families and our communities that allow this infection to thrive and to grow and to spread and to return if we don't change our culture. So here is part number 24 in our series, The Half Brain Church how the church has lost its ever-loving mind. All right, here we are. Here we are. We're about to talk about a pretty challenging topic. Yeah. As if shame wasn't challenging <laughs> enough. healthy correction wasn't challenging enough. Yep. Um, we are going to spend the next few podcasts talking about narcissism. Oh. And yeah. how it is affecting our churches and our families and our communities. Okay. So the best way that we are able to determine how to kind of start this conversation is to share an excerpt from the book that we've been kind of basing this Mm -hmm. podcast on. Yeah. Um, Because we don't have a better way to explain really the basis in the way that that it is explained here. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to just go ahead and read. All right. All right. Many years ago, I caught an eye infection that resisted being cured. My eyes would turn red and become swollen. Antibiotic drops would knock the infection down for a while, but a few weeks later, it would return. After several months of this, my ophthalmologist said, I think what we have here is a cultural problem. He explained that my eyes had a culture that was conducive to growing bacteria. I had never thought of my eyes having a culture, but I followed his instructions to change the culture of my eyes through washing and warm compresses. I admit... I was skeptical, but eventually the infections disappeared and haven't returned. I changed the culture of my eyes. The church has both a culture and an infection. Mm. Even if there was a magical antibiotic, the infection would keep reoccurring until the culture changes. The culture of a church is its relational soil, and the infection thrives in depleted soil. A chain of events has left us with exhausted soil that bears little fruit. Unfortunately, the bad news gets worse. (laughs) The depleted soil of half-brain Christianity not only took spiritual formation, it also creates a culture where a certain relational infection thrives, spreads, and returns. 
Relationally impoverished soil leaves a community vulnerable to the spread of narcissism, especially in positions of leadership and influence. Enriching the soil is the only long-term solution. Mm. We can remove narcissists from their positions of influence, but without adding the essential soil nutrients, the infection will return. The consequences of this disease devastate churches and families. Wow. That's um, that's pretty heavy. It is it's heavy. pretty direct as well. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's spot on. Yeah, it really is. I, I think if we were to be honest with ourselves, I mean, there's countless stories of pastors and leaders of well-known churches, obscure mm-hmm. churches that have a narcissistic pastor or I don't want to say that with narcissistic tendencies um, or behaviors. Yes. Narcissism in some form at play often. Yeah. There's actually probably a really good chance that most of the people listening to the podcast right now have either experienced a narcissistic leader or pastor or maybe currently are participating in an organization that has one. Yeah. And, and I was, and just, again, we're, Again, this is called the half brain church. Mm -hmm. So we are specifically talking about the church, but really this narcissism, narcissism, (laughs) narcissistic and narcissism is prevalent in a lot of different community areas, a lot of different world areas, business, school, politics, all of that. But But we are really here to address it in the church. We are. We're here to talk about the church. It's kind of funny how you said narcissism. Oh, Oh. (laughs) Write that one down. Yeah. That could be a lot to unpack. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah. I mean, it. Because, well, well, it's so funny. Because narcissism is kind of becoming a norm. Like Mm -hmm. it is a narcissism at this point where it is just part of almost becoming the system in the church of, of how we function and how we raise up our leaders and what we're even unknowingly mm-hmm. promoting yes. without even realizing what we're promoting. Yeah. It, it's, it's so because what happens is we see someone who may have some narcissistic tendencies, but our immediate thought is, man, they're a strong leader. Yeah. They, yeah. Cause they're often charismatic. Yep. They're usually really likable. Uh huh. Even magnetic. Yeah. They, yeah, they and they draw people in and yeah, they can hold you captive, attractive, yeah. all of those things. It's like everything that that we with <laughs> everything that with the eyes that we look for in a leader of anything. Yeah, especially for whatever reason in a church. Yeah, partially because whether you want to say it or not, we are really trying to be a part of something that's really dynamic. Oh yeah, like we want to go someplace that seems that it's exciting to be a part of or that has this like electric energy to it it makes it even that much better so when we have a leader who carries that Mm -hmm. then for some reason we feel like we are belonging to something maybe a bit bigger than ourselves simply because of one person's charisma yeah and and we yeah and we all be attached to that and Mm -hmm. we want to be a part of that like you said we want to we all want to be a part of something that's larger than ourselves Mm -hmm. and that's an earnest desire that's not a bad thing however when when we lack identity Mm -hmm. and when we lack like it talks about in that story when we lack has said when we lack healthy group identity when we lack joy Mm -hmm. we go looking for it in other ways we want someone to create all of that for us instead yeah. of us creating it for ourselves. 
And unfortunately, narcissists are people with narcissistic tendencies, narcissistic leaders create that, like this false sense of that anyway. Absolutely. And so then we tend to promote them up the chain Mm -hmm. or go find them and bring them in. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, just to to kind of skip around a little bit there. But like in that story, it talks about in his his, with he had this infection in his eye Mm -hmm. and he had to the doctor said to change the culture of your eye. Yeah. Which means you had to do something different than you've always been doing because the culture that was there um, promoted and was... um, kind of almost like an incubator yeah. for this infection to come back. Mm-hmm. And unwillingly and unknowingly, I think we do that a lot. Right. The culture that we have created, created yeah. because of what we're looking for and what we want to be a part of and mm-hmm. giving ourselves away, like all those things mm-hmm. creates this culture mm-hmm. of, of letting someone who has narcissistic tendencies to rise to the top. Yes. Well, especially too, because... Unfortunately, the church has become a place of, of great consumerism. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so when someone seems to be the guy with all the answers and can run the show and can do it with flashy lights, you know, in, in uh, as a metaphor, right. uh-huh. that they just seem so amazing. And so that relieves the pressure off of us and allows us to be the consumers. We don't have to for ourselves create joy. We don't have to for ourselves know our identity. We don't have to for ourselves mm-hmm. all those things because right. we Good. have someone who seems to have all that and we can just like glean it from them. But that's not biblical at all. The only no. one that we yeah. should be gleaning any of that from mm-hmm. is from the Lord himself. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it's interesting too, because um, the church specifically is honestly prime ground, breeding ground mm-hmm. for narcissism and narcissistic tendencies and narcissistic leaders. Yeah. But we would never, ever, ever say that. No. And that's why this conversation is so hard because, right. <laughs> because it's like, oh, how dare you use that word right. for a man of God or a yeah. woman of God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, But it's because we don't really understand what narcissism is. Yeah. Like when we think about narcissism, we think about, oh, you mean a self-centered jerk? Right. Oh, well, we don't have any self-centered jerks in our church, or right. that's not my pastor, or that's mm-hmm. not my leader. Um, and this is not an accusation. I don't no. want it to be, I don't want this conversation either no. to be an accusation or a seeming accusation of any pastor or leader that is out there. Whether you're the leader listening or whether you're somebody in the congregation, yeah. this is just a convert, a, a really hard conversation really hard that conversation. just needs to yeah. be had. That, that, yeah. yeah. So when we think about, narcissism we think about that yeah i think we think that's what narcissism means is yep. oh you're just a big fat jerk and you're self-centered and you don't care about anybody but yourself and mm-hmm. you do everything you, you think you're such a big think, deal yeah all of that and mm-hmm. and and, the, and there's really no really clinical or diagnostic definition of a narcissist well there is in the mental health well, yes, regard correct. and so just yes. like we've said on other podcasts Absolutely. we're not talking about a mental health diagnosis mm-hmm. here what we're talking about is the tendencies, yes. the narcissistic tendencies mm-hmm. that begin to appear within people, yeah. whether outside of a medical diagnosis, it is in how we interact with people. That's what we're talking yeah. about. People interacting with people yes. and people interacting in a narcissistic way with other people yeah. is, is all this conversation is about. Yeah. But you're right. There isn't really a this 
this this thing thing right right here is a narcissistic or make someone a narcissist in this way. Right. And there are definitely factors and symptoms yeah. and yep. there's definitely things that are at the core, which we'll talk about, mm-hmm. but it is hard to say because there can be very small, very small indications. And then there can be very obvious indications. And it's often sadly, not until they're so obvious. And so many people have been wounded mm-hmm. by them that we begin to notice what they are. Cause again, too, we think narcissist equals mean obvious bad guy right or mean obvious yeah. bad girl like we're not well, thinking charismatic exciting right. yeah. uh, attractive all those all the things good attributes yes that that are yeah. multiplying this church yes. and oh my Growing gosh and pushing are, it forward and, yes and they're amazing to listen yeah. to and man oh man when i'm around them i get so fired up and they just excite me and yes. it feels like i'm yes. awakened yep 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 but then mm-hmm but then when we try to get in close relationship yeah, that's, or when we yeah. need something that, that actually requires relational equity, that's the problem. That's where, and that's where it raises. Itself. That's where, that's where it becomes obvious. Mm-hmm. It's not, is that just because also I don't want it to be misunderstood <laughs> that just because a person is charismatic and driven right, exactly. and attractive yes. and all those yeah. things that that means they're narcissist narcissist. either. No. It really comes down to how are, how am I able to interact with people? And yeah. we'll, we're going to flesh unpack this out. This. Why are they charismatic? Yeah. Why are mm-hmm. they attractive? Why are these things in yeah. place that cause us to miss it, but yet be drawn to them all at the same right. Drawn to someone who ends up very it, hurting us in the yeah, end. And it's, and it's really, it's really weird too, because you have these people that are charismatic, outgoing, all those different things, but at the same time, they lack empathy, mm-hmm. but, and they have a strong need for adoration. Mm-hmm. And they want to be the biggest personality in the room. Yep. All, all, all the while being seemingly caring and most interesting, and most person, interesting in yeah. person in the room. It's like mm-hmm. that, the, that, that it was a beer commercial, Dos Equis, I think it was like the most interesting man alive or something like that. <laughs> it was anyway, that's reminding me of that. But it's that type of thing. Like you, you want to do, you want, mm-hmm. you're attracted to the guy or the girl who's done all those things and they have these great stories and yeah. they have this incredible insight and all, and, and usually a lot of times they do to yeah. some extent. Yeah. And it isn't until you realize that every story they tell yes. is about them. Right. And they're the feats mm-hmm. that they've accomplished that you start to realize like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You actually really don't care anything about me. Mm-hmm. You, it feels like you care about yeah. me because you need someone to listen to you to how amazing you yes. are. And, and then it starts to play out. Yeah. yeah. It's those situations where you're like, man, I hear what you're saying. And that I, I agree a hundred percent, but there's something not quite right. Like, wow. You are really so amazing. But why are we always talking about how so amazing you are? Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. I can't help but think in the midst of this conversation that it's important to draw out, but we have helped multiple women walk out of yeah. marriages with clinical narcissists Mm -hmm. and their biggest struggle has been that nobody in their, in their Mm. immediate circle community, even their family believes that the narcissist is, is the one who is creating a lot of damage because this, because one of the key key games of a narcissist is that everybody likes them. Everybody likes them and they are the best person in the room. Yeah. And the most so, giving somehow and the most, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's very it's twisted. Weird. So we're talking about something that's very complicated and very in-depth. Yeah. Lots of pieces at play. But yet, when you know what you're looking for, mm-hmm. it becomes very obvious. Yeah. And and that's why we're talking about it, is that we need the church to have new eyes. Yes. To see that yeah. we have created a culture mm-hmm. for an infection to thrive. Yeah. For a disease to thrive. Yes. And that is the disease of narcissism. Right. And it and it and it cannot change and it won't be eradicated until the culture of our churches change. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the core thing about a narcissist that really defines is like we talked about in the last podcast, is it someone who cannot metabolize shame. What? Yeah. So the conversation comes right back around to what we talked about. The other hard conversation. The other hard conversation. And why we talked about it. Yeah, exactly. That there is a difference between healthy shame and toxic toxic shame. shame. Absolutely. And we need shame. Yes. To be healthy people. Mm -hmm. Because without shame, our character does not change. No. And and no. And and God put our put that feeling or allows Mm -hmm. us to feel that feeling of shame. Yes. So our character will change. Right. When it is presented in a healthy way. Yes. 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 And we'll talk more about that. But but when we when it cannot be metabolized properly, mm-hmm. not toxic shame. We're not talking about metabolizing toxic shame. Correct. We're talking about metabolizing healthy shame. Yeah. Hey, you've forgotten who you are. Yep. Come back. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. But I'm also not going to ignore that that you have an opportunity yeah. to grow and change. And yeah. I'm going to step in in this space. When someone cannot metabolize it, mm-hmm. and usually this starts in very young childhood, yes. is that they were never given the tools to learn how to metabolize shame, yep. that it becomes a lifetime of not doing that well. And it becomes a pretty, pretty nasty disease. It's interesting that they... Yeah. They use the word disease in this book because yeah. I think that describes it well. Because it grows. It grows. And I was even thinking about how in some ways it's, I wouldn't say it's a virus in the way that it's spreadable, but it definitely, everybody around a narcissist is affected. It's affected. Yeah. It's a disease or it's a, it's a, um, I mean, well, it says infection. I mean, that's kind mm-hmm. of the thing. It's mm-hmm. an, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's, it's an, an infection. infection. It infects everything. Mm-hmm. And it, like, like you just said, it's not a. I can't catch it from you. Right. But it does affect me. Exactly. Yeah. It directly affects me. Yeah. And the only way that it can change is we could, we could pluck out a leader or a pastor who mm-hmm. has narcissistic tendencies. Right. Absolutely. But yeah. if our culture is desperate to have identity that's created by one man, mm-hmm. we will bring it back. Yeah. If we have a culture that is low on joy, low on said, mm-hmm. low on healthy, healthy. group identity, yep. we'll bring them right back. Yep. And and low on, but here's the thing too. We can, all those things could be very strong. Mm-hmm. You could have high joy. You can have strong said. You can have a good group identity. Mm-hmm. However, if we don't do healthy correction, yeah. then yeah. you you don't, mm-hmm. it, it's still, it's we if we don't know how to do that, Yes. Or we don't know how to receive it or yes. the person not to receive it. Yes. It still can yep. still at play. be there. Still yeah. at play. Because shame is, this is a conversation <laughs> about shame. That's crazy. This is a conversation about shame. That's crazy. Whether or not we can metabolize shame yeah. is the make or break here. But how do we even know if it's not allowed in our communities? Yeah. It's, it's, we don't know because we don't have these conversations. Right. 
And, and, and that's why we are really excited to be able to have these conversations. Yeah. To help people understand and to just even give a different thought process and paradigm on, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I can't talk about that with so-and-so, but let me listen and see if, and, and begin that even with myself. Mm-hmm. Because we'll, we will, we will, um, ignore mm-hmm. and avoid mm-hmm. those strong and or hard conversations, even with ourself right. to look in the mirror and go, Oh yeah, let me, let me look at this. Yeah. But we, we get to do this and have this, these conversations. Yeah. And I think without this language and without this understanding and without this hard conversation we're going to have, the pattern is only due to repeat itself. The narcissism that just came out in this podcast today. That might be the new. There was a point where we realized that we had sat under seven leaders mm-hmm. who had narcissistic tendencies. Yeah. In our in our twenty years of ministry. Yep. That's not okay. No. That's not okay because no one's winning. No. Nope. No one is winning. That that leader who has never learned how to metabolize shame in a healthy yeah. way is not winning. No. Not winning. They're lonely and they're scared and they're, they're unhappy. There's no way for them to find true joy, relational joy. They have no real relational connection. And for sure, the congregation is not winning. Yeah. Usually it's full of a bunch of bloody sheep. Mm. And so the conversation just has to be had. Yeah. And it, and I want our audience to understand that we're, it's coming from a place of, of tenderness from us and a place of. We want to have the conversation because we deeply want to see the body of Christ healthy. Yeah. We want to see his kids win because he loves us all. Mm-hmm. This isn't a blame game. This conversation nope. is not about pointing fingers or anything like that, but it is about pointing out yeah. where we're unhealthy and what we need to do about it to, to shift. Yeah. It's having the honest, hard conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and about shifting the culture. Yeah. Not just about pointing out the infection. If you feel you're in need of more resources concerning the issue of narcissism, here are a few resources. The Pandora Problem, Facing Narcissism and Leaders and Yourself, written by Dr. James Wilder. Narcissism and Redemptive Change is an e-institute class that you can find on deeperwalkinternational.org. You've been listening to the Table and Well podcast. New episodes stream every Tuesday. Please subscribe on your favorite streaming service.